0: Good afternoon and welcome to The Legacy of Queens. It's episode nine on this Sunday, January 17th, 2021. Today we're going to be looking at an American radio host, a veteran of broadcasting in New York City. This is why he was classified as The Legacy of Queens. He's considered a pioneer on the conservative talk radio format and was one of the early adopters of the combat talk format. He's spanned, his career spanned, from the 1950s until shortly before his death at the age of 84 on December 31st, 2013. And he was widely termed a political conservative and personally considered himself to be a conservative with some libertarian learnings. Who am I talking about? We're looking at Bob Grant today On the Legacy of Queens. Welcome back to this great show of ours called The Legacy of Queens. It's the sister show to the Queens New Yorker. You can, of course, listen to us and all of our episodes, including the Queens New Yorker on Anchor. And, of course, we'll post the link down in the description. But there's one other show we would like you to take a look at. We would like you to listen to. There's four programs on it so far and programme number five coming up tomorrow, which is an all Martin Luther King Day celebration of the man who made freedom of both race, color, and creed a phenomenon thing today. Without civil rights, those segregational laws would be broken. Martin Luther King. Yes. The DeCanio discussion. Episode 5 tomorrow, all we'll be talking about Martin Luther King. But on this program, we're looking at the man who started his career in Chicago, was born and raised there, and you would think, no, he's not a legacy of Queens. Well, he is actually a legacy of Queens because even though he started his early work before he moved to New York City, he was in Chicago and in the University of Illinois, but his dedication to his life's work made him a New York legacy. And we're looking at Bob Grant today. Radio host Bob Grant, Robert Ciro Gigante, known as Bob Grant, born March 14, 1929, died December 31st, 2013. And as a high school student at Steinmetz High School in Chicago, Grant auditioned for the Central Radio Workshop of the Chicago Public Schools, where once every two weeks he would perform in plays on FM radio station WBEZ. Now, after high school, Grant attended the University of Illinois at Urbana, Champaign, and studied journalism, where he also auditioned and got accepted for the school's radio station. As a student, Grant acted in plays such as the Duchess of Malfi, yeah, that's right, Alfie. Yep. Then Grant left school early to take a job in radio. Grant originally got into professional radio when he answered a phone call for his roommate, and the program director calling thought he had a good voice. On May 14th of 1948, Grant did his first professional news announcement to discuss the formation of Israel. He then got a job at the news department at WBBM AM in Chicago, and also continued acting in plays. Grant may have done. Other works as an extra, but he did not discuss his acting work much on his radio show. Grant also worked on a radio show called Gold Coast in the late 1950s, which had comedy skits. While at WBBM, he was forced to change his last name from Gigante to Grant in order to sound less ethnic. During the Korean War, he served in the Naval Reserve. So Grant then moved to Chicago, or moved from Chicago to Los Angeles. His first radio work in Los Angeles was on radio station KNX AM in 1959, where he worked with future actor Paul Condolis on the Condolis and Grant comedy show. Los Angeles Times stated, Their names are Paul Condolis and Bob Grant, voted by this corner as the outstanding newcomers of 1959. Prime examples Condolis and Grant, a couple of dialecticians from Chicago specialize in a form of comedy that is most popular today, satire. Grant described the show as being similar to Saturday Night Live on the radio. Condollas and Grant would also entertain at places such as college campuses. Afterwards, Grant later became sports director at KABC on the AM in Los Angeles. He was then urged by co-worker and early controversial radio host Joe Pine to substitute for him. Shortly after, John F. Kennedy was assassinated and Pine, being a critic of Kennedy's, was not allowed to host his show, and Grant substituted for him, eventually inheriting the show in 1964. Grant also hosted three shows on KABC AM in 1964 titled Open Line, Nightline, and Sunday Line. (laughs) And while at KABC, he would interview celebrities including Muhammad Ali, Controversial figures such as Kwanzaa founder Ron Mulana karenga and politicians including Ronald Reagan in what Grant claimed was Reagan's first interview as a political candidate in 1965. While Grant would become a controversial radio figure, he started off more mellow. He competed during nighttime radio against his former co-worker and mentor Joe Pine and radio commentator Michael Jackson. Well, on October 25th of 1964, a Los Angeles Times article describes Grant's broadcasting style as this. Bob Grant is a relative newcomer, but his background is solidly radio. Having been a comedian, newscaster, and sports announcer, he is the calmest and more inquisitive. Grant's audience appears to be older and he deals less in controversy than Pine or Jackson. Grant, however, is versatile and discusses subjects intelligently. He is much less a showman than his counterparts. So then Grant moved from KABC AM to KLAC in March of 67. Some of Grant's colleagues at the station were Joel A. Spivak, Les Crane, and mentor Joe Pine. Grant was described as as Los Angeles' most controversial nighttime radio host. 1969 KLAC switched from a talk station to a music station. Grant was then asked to co host a television show called Tempo with actress Jean Baird, or Bird, that aired on KHJ Channel 9 in Los Angeles from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. After some controversies, including offending guest Marlo Thomas, Grant was eventually let go and replaced by Regis Philbin in July of 1970. Now, Grant was reproached to come to New York by executives at WMAC when WMAC was going to become a talk station. He was recommended to them by Jack Thayer, who had been the station manager of KLAC. Grant was opposed to the move, and he hated what he knew about New York, the subways, crime, and congestion. He also had four children and a home in Los Angeles. Grant was convinced to come to New York when an executive said to him at the end of the meeting, it's just too bad that the number one talk show host in America doesn't want to come to the number one market in America. He came to New York and presented his first show on WMCA on September 21, 1970, where he worked for station manager R. Peter Strauss. After being in New York for a short time, Grant wanted to go back to Los Angeles. He was contacted by the former news director at KLAC, who was now a program director at another station to join his station, but Grant declined because he had signed a two-year contract with WMCA. Grant's unhappiness being in New York led to him becoming angry with the callers. He hoped to get fired by R. Peter Strauss. However, his ratings soared as he got angrier. Grant was quoted on May 23, 1971 about his new radio show in New York. L.A. radio is really hip compared to New York. Here the scene is very provincial and ethnic and liberal. Being a conservative, I am referred to by most of my callers as the House right-winger or fascist. Actually, it gets pretty funny because they do more yelling at me than engaging in useful debate. The audience in Los Angeles was much more sophisticated. Since WMCA started Dialogue Radio, it's really shot up in the ratings, we've gone from around 12th to 3rd in the market. While he was distinctively out of fashion... With both the times and with some counter-cultural dumb WMCA personalities, including Alex Bennett. His offbeat but combative style, along with the Fairness Doctrine Requirements of the Era, won him seven years on WMCA with a growing and loyal audience. Now, Grant became well-known for his abrasive manner with callers and his popular catchphrase, Get off my phone. His sign-off for many years was, Get Gaddafi, which meant... Remove Muammar Gaddafi. In 1970, Grant quickly became a controversial opinion maker. He began by saying, We're slipping and sliding into third worldism, along with opposing the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965. Now, Grant also came up with a solution to the high birth rate in the 1970s among poor women when he called Bob Grant's Mandatory Sterilization Program or ACT. This led to racism charges, but Grant denied that the program was only for minorities. March 8, 1973, Grant had scheduled New York Representative Benjamin S. Rosenthal, who was leading a boycott of, of meat. Grant later learned that Rosenthal would not appear on his show, and in a discussion with a caller, Grant referred to Rosenthal as a coward. Rosenthal then filed a complaint with the Federal Communications Commission And the issue went all the way up to the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit in Strauss Communications v. Federal Communications Commission. United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, January 16, 1976, J. Wright. The appeals court ultimately ruled in favor of WMCA and Grant due to the fact that Grant offered the congressman an invitation to appear on a show, granting Rosenthal equal time. Now, Grant did an early shock jock stunt while at WMCA. A female listener had called in and was curious about pornographic films. So Grant decided to take women who listened to him on a trip to a Times Square porno theater to view a porn film. (laughs) <laughs> About 100 women showed up for the trip, followed by a roundtable discussion on Grant's show. Grant would have two more listener trips to see a porn film after this. One of Grant's most memorable regular callers was Miss Ms. Trivia, who aired her Beef of the Week, which was a series of seemingly trivial complaints. Ms. Trivia was Grant's guest at a Halloween festival dinner held at Laura Tano's Restaurant in the Bronx, where a young Ms. Trivia, not long out of her teens, revealed herself for the first time to a startled radio audience, many who had expected and assumed, based upon her articulation and intonation, that she would be an elderly, prudish woman. Instead, a statuesque and fashionable Ms. Trivia, wearing an elaborate Victorian costume, was the surprise guest seated next to Grant at the DAZ table, along with several political figures from New York. The following day, the majority of calls to the show were for the purpose of obtaining information about the mysterious Ms. Trivia, with Grant in his typical manner, finally in exasperation, hanging up on the caller shouting, this is not Ms. Trivia's show. <laughs> Grant popularized the jive- gy- uh, the uh, Angry Puzzle, or the Grie Puzzle, a word game on his WMCA show in 75, stating some version of the question. There are three words in the English language that end in G-R-Y. Two of them are angry and hungry. What is the third? This has no conclusive answer and, spreading, and spread following Grant's broadcast. While at WMCA, Grant attracted attention from a 1974 commentary he recorded titled, How long will you stand aside? Grant also released an LP record in 77 titled Let's Be Heard, which was a recording of a speech Grant gave before a synagogue in New York. He left WMCA in 1977. Then on May 30th, Memorial Day, he began on WOR, where he broadcast nights from 11.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. Grant took over the time slot from host Barry Farber, who hosted a show on it for 16 years but had to give it up because he was running for mayor of New York City. According to producer Maurice Tunick, Grant had a 24.3 share of the ratings at one point, meaning one in four people listening to the radio were listening to Grant's show. In 1979, Grant had gotten into trouble for some comments he had made and was fired from WOR. Grant was assisted by a colleague, Barry Farber, who fought with WMCA station manager, Ellen Strauss, to rehire Grant. Farber broadcast during the 4 to 7 p.m. weekday time slot on WMCA. When asked by Strauss at a meeting if Farber was willing to give up his airtime for Grant, Farber replied, Yes, he can have my time. I'd rather he have my time than no time at all. Grant describes the remarks that got him fired from WOR in a 2011 column. I had done my nightly show on WOR and a caller phoned into the show saying he was upset with a woman who was blaming the police for what had happened to her sons. I had read the story the man was referring to and noted that the woman, who was very angry with police, was uh, the public relations director or community relations director of WCBS News Radio. I stupidly asked the caller if he knew how she got the job. The caller said he didn't know, and I promptly and arrogantly said, I will tell you how. She passed the gynecological and pigmentation test. That's how. And not only did that turn off Roger Alley's allies, but WOR was forced to fire me even though I had given the radio giant the biggest overnight ratings they have ever had. Well, after being fired from WOR... He worked at WWDB 96.5 FM in Philadelphia for a year. Stated in his book, Let's Be Heard, they actually ran me out of town. After a few months and no offers, I reluctantly agreed to take a job on a talk station in Philadelphia. He returned to WMCA in June of 79 for a Saturday show from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. while still working in Philadelphia during the week in April of 1980. He returned to WMCA full-time, where he was teamed with another radio host named Janet Rose. His producer was future conservative radio host Steve Malsberg. Mark Simone also worked for Grant as an intern during this time. In November of 1984, WABC-AM in New York City hired Grant to join their new talk station. He first hosted a show from 9 to 11 p.m. before moving to the 3 to 6 p.m. afternoon time slot. The Bob Grant show consistently dominated the ratings in the highly competitive afternoon drive time slot in New York City, and at one point the radio station aired recorded promos announcing him as America's most listened-to talk radio personality. The gravel voice Grant reminded listeners during the daily introduction that the program was unscripted and unrehearsed, and on September 15th of 1991, A roast honoring Grant for 21 years of radio in New York City was held in West Orange, New Jersey. Freddie Roman was the master of ceremonies, and Grant was roasted by New York Senator Al D'Amato, comedian Pat Cooper, Soupy Sales, Rush Limbaugh, comedian Joe Piscopo, and Lynn Samuels, among others. Grant introduced President George H.W. Bush to a crowd at Vets Field in Ridgewood, New Jersey, where he campaigned for re-election on October twenty second, nineteen ninety two. One of the most popular errors of the Bob Grant show during was during the nineteen ninety-three and ninety-four New Jersey and New York elections. Grant helped Rudy Giuliani win in nineteen ninety three against David Dinkins and was also campaigning for Christine Todd Whitman by doing daily rants against New Jersey Governor James Florio, calling him Flim Flam Florio. <laughs> Florio stated at the time how can I win with Bob Grant beating my brains out every day? Well, Grant's afternoon show gave, grew more popular and reached a 7.1 in the ratings. And during this time, New York Magazine had requested to profile Grant and ask him about controversial remarks he had made. Grant was also asked to be photographed with a WABC banner draped over him and his finger pointing in the air. However, when the issue was released, it showed Grant on the cover with the WABC banner covering him resembling a Klansman with the words, Why He Hates Blacks, written across the page. WABC program director John Manelli would later reveal that he believed Mario Cuomo and Frank Lautenberg were behind this, as Cuomo once had cornered Manelli, threatening to reveal dark secrets about Grant to ABC chairman Thomas Murphy. Lautenberg attacked his Republican opponent, Chuck Haitian, on his association with Grant in the campaign. Lautenberg caused Amtrak to stop advertising on Grant's radio show. Christy Whitman, who Grant helped become governor, stated that she would no longer appear on Grant's show. For the 94 election, Grant did daily rants against New Jersey Senator Frank Lautenberg, calling him (laughs) Lausenberg, New York Governor Mario Cuomo, who he was now calling this fascism. Uh Grant had been friends with Cuomo beginning in the 70s, but they had a falling out during an appearance in 1986 on Grant's show. Grant questioned Cuomo on why he needed a large war chest against an opponent who didn't have much money, and Cuomo hung up on Grant. In 94, the Mario salute became a staple of Grant's show. Listeners would call in and state, Mario, ascends a me to see un proprio-safism. Grant explained the translation in English was, Mario, listen to me, you're a real lowlife. T-shirts and bumper stickers were created with anti-Cuomo messages. A listener also made an anti-Mario Cuomo song, which Grant would frequently play. Grant campaigned for Cuomo's opponent, George Pataki, and had him on on as a guest many times, allegedly leading to Pataki picking up enough votes to defeat Cuomo. Grant's long stay at WABC ended when he was was fired for a remark about the April 3, 1996, airplane crash involving Commerce Secretary Ron Brown. Well, Grant remarked to a caller named Carl Carl of Oyster Bay, that's Carl Limbacher, later of Newsmax fame, my hunch is that Brown is the one survivor. I just have that hunch. Maybe it's because at heart I'm a pessimist. When Brown was found dead, Grant's comments were widely criticized. And several weeks later, after a media campaign, his contract was terminated. Grant's last show on WABC was on April 16th of 96, where he broadcast from the Rio Diner. He was fired the next day on April 17th by program director Phil Boyce after Grant had held an autograph signing session for his book, Let's Be Heard. Politicians who Grant had assisted, such as Christine Todd Whitman, Rudy Giuliani, They would never appear on Grant's radio show again, and George Pataki appeared one more time on Grant's last WOR show in January of 2006. So after being fired, Grant moved down the dial to WOR to host his show in the same afternoon drive time slot on April 29, 1996. Grant's age began to show while broadcasting at WOR. He was less engaging with the callers and not as energetic during his broadcasts. For a time, the Bob Grant show went into national syndication, but has been a local-only show since 2001. Grant and his WABC replacement Sean Hannity would sometimes throw jabs at each other. Hannity defeated Grant in the ratings from 2001 to 2006. Grant's WOR run ended on January 13, 2006. His ratings were not to blame for his departure, according to the New York Post, which mentioned that the decision was reached because the station's other shows had niche audiences to garner more advertising dollars. And on January 16th of 2006, shortly after Grant's last WOR show, he appeared on Sean Hannity's radio show and TV program, Hannity & Combs, where his former competitor paid tribute to him. Having left his options open for an offer he cannot refuse, he returned to WOR in February of 2006 doing one-minute straight-ahead commentaries which aired twice daily at the Newsbrask until September of 2006. September 8, 2006, he again appeared on Hannity's show to provide a post-retirement update which led to premature rumors that Grant was returning to WABC and then made various isolated radio appearances. He appeared as a guest host on WFNY on December 7, 2006, and was interviewed by attorney Anthony Macri for Macri's WOR show on February 24, 2007. In 2000, Grant briefly considered running for United States Senate from New Jersey as an independent. He, was a, he went as far as creating a draft Bob Grant committee, but ultimately decided against entering the race. He also considered running for mayor of New York City in the 70s. His guest appearances became more frequent beginning in July of 2007. July of 2000, July 6, 2007, he guest hosted for John R. Gambling and appeared on Mark Levin show, which is networked from ABC, WABC, on July 10th. He also guest-hosted for Jerry Agar on July 9th, 10th, and 11th, reappeared as a fill-in host again for John Gambling on the August 20th and 21st. And then on August 22nd, while appearing on Hannity's show, he announced that he was returning as a regular host of WABC in the 8 to 10 p.m. time slot that at the time was filled by Agar. It would later be revealed on what was Agar's final show a few hours later that he would be starting effective immediately, as Grant took over the final segments of his show. His first full show on ABC since 1996 was, August, was on August 23rd. The story of Grant's return, as reported by the New York Daily News, had been discovered only a couple of hours before Grant's official announcement. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, continue on here with Bob Grant, the conservative radio host. Here's some soul-searching. Welcome back to The Legacy of Queens. It's episode nine here uh, for this Sunday, January 17, 2021. We're looking at Bob Grant, the radio host, a conservative radio host who led a very interesting life. And so far, we have been uh, looking at his time uh, on WWOR, and now we are in his post-retirement. So, we will continue on, of course. We're getting all of our information from the Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Just want to let you know that next week on the program, which will be January 24th, we do episode 10. And we're going to be looking at Brooklyn, native to the Jewish family, American sportscaster, honored for his work as a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. He's commonly referred to as the Voice of Basketball. Who am I talking about? Marv Albert next week on The Legacy of Queens. Good stuff. All right. So let's see. Grant's stint lasted less than a year and a half until his regular nightly show was pulled by WABC. In late November 2008, as part of the programming shuffle stemming from the debut of Curtis Silva's National show and later Mark Levin's show expanding to three hours, leaving no room for Grant. Grant did his most recent AM radio work as a guest host, filling in for Michael Savage on January 21st, 2009. Mark Levin on March 23rd of the same year and Sean Hannity on July 31st, same year. During the week of July 6, 2009, he began hosting an internet radio show titled Straight Ahead, which originally ran Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. on UBATV.com. As a webcast, the show differed from Grant's radio shows in that the viewer watched Grant as he did his broadcast, which is becoming very popular right now, folks. The first two months of Straight Ahead were from inside Grant's home, and were run with technical assistance from independent filmmaker Ryan O'Leary. New York radio personalities Richard Bay and Jay Diamond were also brought on board to broadcast their own one-hour shows. Grant mentioned that he did not get paid to do the UBA TV show, but believes that internet broadcasting is the future. It sure is, Bob Grant. Beginning in September of 2009, Grant reduced straight ahead from five days a week, down to two, Monday and Wednesdays from 10 to 11. Grant also moved the show from his home to a professional studio. Due to a low number of callers to the show, Grant usually interviewed only guests for the hour. January 13, 2010, he did his last UBA TV show. His last show and his last WOR show both fell on the date of January 13, 2010. September of 2009, we go back. He returned to WABC for a third stint at the station, doing a weekly Sunday talk show from noon to 2. Grant's return to AM broadcasting allowed him to continue interacting with his fan base through greater listenership and participation than his previous internet radio show provided. At the close of his first show, he expressly thanked the management of the station for inviting him back and said he looked forward to continuing this joint venture every week for the foreseeable future. Grant issued a statement on October 2012 that his October 7th broadcast would be his last, but then rescinded that message after the show labeling it a mistake and an attempt to grab attention. He then took off a short time for medical work, and when he returned to the air, it was for a shortened 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Sunday show Grant's show continued in its one-hour weekly format until July 28th of 2013 when he permanently retired due to declining health. He also prepared weekly columns for his website, BobGrantOnline.com. The site was originally sponsored by Newsmax. The editorials ended February 19, 2013, again due to health issues. He was widely considered a political conservative, In later life, he commented that I certainly had many beliefs you'd call conservative, but on some social issues like abortion or gay marriage, I was more what you call libertarian. In 1995, the progressive media watchdog Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting accused Grant of racism and homophobia. As evidence, they highlighted his repeated use of the word savages, when referring to African-Americans in statements such as minorities are the Big Apple's majority. You don't need the papers to tell you that. Walk around and you know it. To me, that's a bad thing. I'm a white person. They highlighted his description of Haitian refugees as swine and subhuman infiltrators who multiply like maggots on a hot day. And his comment that ideally it would have been nice to have a few phalanxes of policemen with machine guns and mo, gay pride paraders down. Grant was highly critical of U.S. President Barack Obama, asserting his view that Obama truly believes in socialism, which has the same effect as communism. Grant distinguished himself from other conservative talk show hosts by calling for Obama to release his long-form birth certificate prior to Obama releasing it. He described the Tea Party movement as continuing... The Finest Tradition of Americanism. And although Grant was generally known as being a conservative, he was a critic of hardline conservative advocates in primary races, including the Tea Party movement's candidates. This was a frequent debate topic between Grant and his callers over the past few years. During the fall election of 2010, he criticized candidates such as Chris- Christine O'Donnell, Rand Paul, and Sharon Angle. He also endorsed Charlie Crist over Marco Rubio on a July 10, 2010 broadcast for the Florida State primary. May 8, 2011, the broadcast, he informed his audience that he supported the moderate John Huntsman Jr. for the Republican nomination for president, although he would later go on to support Mitt Romney. Well, Grant was in favor of engaging hosts substituting for him while he was away on vacation to maintain his ratings in the cases of G. Gordon Liddy, and Curtis Slywa, uh, uh, S- who guest-hosted along with his wife, Lisa Evers. This led them to being hired for their own shows. Other popular fill-ins included Bill O'Reilly during the 90s, Roger Allies, Alan Burke, Joe Scarborough, Tom Marr, Ann Coulter in 2002, Tom Schneider 20- in 2002, Mike Gallagher, Barry Farber, and comedians Jackie Mason and Pat Cooper in the early 90s. Being largely the innovator of his own particular talk radio style, Grant previously worked with the likes of Barry Gray on the radio and Joe Pine. Pine would often end each broadcast with Straight Ahead, which is something Grant picked up, leading many to believe that Grant was the first host to frequently use that line. Well, over the years, national radio talk show personality Howard Stern has made differing remarks on his admiration for Grant as an early influence. Upon Stern's arrival in New York, he cited Grant as an influence, but as Stern's stardom rose, Grant became the subject of occasional ridicule on Stern's show. During Stern's prime, he denied being influenced by Grant or having respect for him. Stern also criticized Grant for changing his act to appease management. Grant told Paul D. Colford, author of the 96 Stern biography, Howard Stern, King of All Media, about being approached at a public appearance by Ben Stern, Howard's father, with a teenaged Howard in tow. Father introduced son to Grant and told him of Howard's desire to go into radio. I looked at this big, gawky kid, and I said to him, just be yourself, Grant recalled, Stern has denied Grant's version of the story. Soon after Grant's firing from WABC and before his first WOR show, Grant appeared as a call-in guest on Stern's radio show. Now, in more recent years, Stern has praised Grant's legacy. In 2006, Stern called into Grant's final WOR broadcast and lauded him on the air. On his January 6, 2014 Sirius XM broadcast. While discussing Grant's death and career for the first half hour of his show, Stern said, I consider him to be the best broadcaster I've ever heard. Bob was just this really well-informed conservative who would often become liberal on social issues, but he had such a flair, he was such a broadcaster, he could hold, on, hold your attention for hours before concluding, Goodbye, Bob, you are the greatest broadcaster that has ever lived. Glenn Beck now uses the catchphrase, get off my phone, as a spinoff of Grant's earlier work in the call and talk show style, as do Tom Sharpling and Mark Levin. Similarly, Sean Hannity often uses Grant's phrase straight ahead. Rush Limbaugh early on acknowledged that Bob Grant paved the way for his success nationwide. In 2002, industry magazine talkers ranked Grant as the 16th greatest radio talk show host of all time. March of 28th of 27, or 2007, Bob Grant was nominated for induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Radio and Records had planned to issue a Lifetime Achievement Award to Grant during its annual convention in March of 2008. However, the nomination was revoked in January of 2008, for past comments by him that contradict our values and the respect we have for all members of our community. Several talk radio hosts have spoken out against the decision. Neil Bortz has stated, I usually try not to miss the Radio and Records Talk Radio Convention. Not this year, maybe never again. R&R has succumbed to political correctness. I don't call for boycotts, but I do think it would be wonderful to see talk show hosts refuse to appear at this convention. What we have seen here in this revocation of the award of Bob Grant, or the award to Bob Grant, is simply pandering to political correctness. Nothing more, nothing less. Sean Hannity, Opie and Anthony, comedian Jim Norton, Lars Larson, Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, Lionel, and Howard Stern opposed the move as well. With Levin stating, I am disgusted with the mistreatment of Bob Grant. I am fed up with the censors, intimidators, and cowards in this business. Don Imus deemed the award unimportant, offered to return, after, to return awards he had received after treating, treating them to his sledgehammer and block of wood, and called Grant's comments stupid, although he has also referred to Grant as a legendary broadcaster. Tributes to Bob Grant poured in after his death was announced. Mark Fisher, senior editor at the Washington Post, wrote tribute to Grant on his Facebook page saying that his most creative and influential period was from the 1960s, when he captured and reflected the rage of New Yorkers seeing their city change around them to the 70s, when he almost single-handedly kept Libya's Gaddafi on the US political radar and became one of New York's most popular figures. A resident of New Jersey communities of the New Jersey communities of Woodbridge Township, Manapalan Township and Toms River, Grant died Hillsborough Township, New Jersey on December 31st, 2013 after what was described as a short illness. And that is the look, folks, of the legacy of Bob Grant here on the Legacy of Queens. Next week on the program, we will definitely be looking at Marv Albert. And he will be uh, the voice of sports. And then in two weeks, (laughs) we will look at the man who is still around, but oh, no, I don't think so. Well, two weeks, we we need to come up with something in two weeks, which we will. We'll look at some other people as well. But then next week, Marv Albert definitely on the Legacy of Queens. I'm Jason E. Canio, and I have a couple of um, sweating, don't sweat the small stuffs. This is from Friday, January 15th, and of course, we'll give your sweating of the small stuff today. So this is from Friday. It says, ironically, the less you care about seeking approval, the more approval you seem to get. And today's sweating of the small stuff. Boy. (laughs) All right. Here's what today's uh, uh, sweating of the small stuff is. People are drawn to those with a quiet inner confidence. People who don't need to make themselves look good, be right all the time. Or steal the glory. There you have it, folks. Don't sweat the small stuff because it, right as we all say in life, it is all small stuff. I'm Jason DeCanio. Thank you for joining me here on the Legacy of Queens tomorrow on the Decanio Discussion, episode five, we will look at Martin Luther King Jr., the man who broke all of the civil rights and segregation, and asked us to come together as one nation. We'll look at his life. We'll look at speeches, plus, of course, the National Holiday Days and all that good stuff. We'll drop a link in our description here so you can look at the first four episodes of the Decanio Discussion. See you next week, folks. And remember, be honest, be real, and keep a simple stupid kiss on the Legacy of Queens. And right now, we'll give you some great music. Here is a little 2-minute, 58-second one called Rhythm Organize. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.